48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Bill Robertson. The top stories. Youth Development Commission urges the government to improve its interaction with young people. HKU students remain unimpressed with the university's head after a meeting with him last night. And Executive Councillor Regina Ipp says Chief Executive Carrie Lam needs to get out more. A member of the Youth Development Commission, Nixie Lam, says the government has to be faster in responding to inquiries and calls from the public as a way to address the current political impasse arising from the extradition bill crisis. Ms Lam says as much as she welcomes calls for more young people and students to join the commission, that alone cannot solve the problem because the ongoing extradition laws controversy isn't just an issue about youngsters. She adds that it's time for the government to change the way it gathers views from young people and be more efficient in its interaction with the public. It will never be like a perfect commission or perfect uh, organization ever. If we have this sort of like major issue happen, it would be a good opportunity for us to change. I hope the government can change the method on how they deal with issues as a whole. I think the, uh, it's very important for the government to um, respond to issues very quick. I mean, the expectation time has been pressured down to maybe like they, they wish the government can reply with them within an hour rather than like like a week on email to say okay uh, we, we accept your inquiries we'll get back to you in a month I think that that sort of thing is how a lot of the unhappiness was happening in Hong Kong as a whole a student representative of Hong Kong University has slammed the institution's president, Zhang Xiang, for failing to understand Hong Kong and its young people after Professor Zhang held a short talk with students last night following a protest on campus. A group of HKU students rallied at the president's home on campus yesterday, accusing him of failing to defend students over the extradition law protests. The protest came after the university's chief condemned violence and destructive acts shortly after protesters stormed into LegCo last week. Professor Zhang stressed that he's against any kinds of violence but is willing to hold further talks with students next week. Jordan Pang is from the HKU Students' Union. I don't think he really understands the youngsters, these uh, so-called violent acts, but I would call these things are, they're using force but not violence. He didn't know about the context of Hong Kong, I think, and he just merely uh, sees these acts as inappropriate, but without understanding the Hong Kong the context of why the youngsters, they had to do so. Executive Councillor Regina Ip says Chief Executive Carrie Lam should go out to local districts instead of just staying inside Government House, because that gives the impression that the CE has been distant during the extradition bill saga. Mrs Ip says that although the CE may be surrounded by protesters when she heads off, she can still do so with a brief and quick visit to different districts. Mrs Ip added that the Cabinet of Carrie Lam should also go out of their way to reach out to the community following the extradition law protests. I think it's not just the chief executive. I think the um, all government, senior government officials should try and break out of their comfort zone and not do things in accordance with the conventional mode of attending uh, very um, formal official functions and sally out more to the districts at different times in different modes to reach out to the people. The government needs to be more proactive to reach out to the people and to engage in uh, discussions. 
Mrs Ip added that she doesn't believe the extradition laws controversy will affect how the pro-government camp prepares for the district council elections in November. That's despite her admission that the pro-establishment camp is under pressure for being on the wrong side of the people over the extradition laws saga. Naturally, you know, after the government has uh, declared that the rendition bill is dead, the pro-government parties and political groups would be perceived by the public as on the wrong side of the people and would earn the and would become unpopular. You know, there is naturally a lot of pressure on pro-government candidates, you know. But after all, district council elections are more about local livelihood issues than uh, citywide political issues. I think the candidates will be well advised to steer the focus back to local issues. You're listening to RTHK. The time is just before five minutes past one. Beijing says it will impose sanctions on American firms that sell arms to Taiwan after Washington approved a potential sale worth more than two billion US dollars. The BBC's Catherine Davis reports. China had already called on Washington to cancel the proposed sale, which includes tanks and missiles. Now it has gone further. A foreign ministry spokesman in Beijing said the plan harmed China's sovereignty and national security. And he said it violated the One China policy under which Washington enjoys diplomatic relations with Beijing, but not with Taipei. The United States is currently the main arms supplier to self-ruled Taiwan and says the potential deal will not change regional military dynamics. New Zealand is holding its first public firearms collection event in response to the mosque shootings in March, which killed 51 people. The ownership of the types of high-powered weapons used in the attack has been restricted. The BBC's Phil Mercer reports. There were long queues at a racecourse in Christchurch as gun owners waited to hand in weapons that are now illegal. It's the first of more than 250 buyback events that will be held across New Zealand. The police expect that tens of thousands of guns will be surrendered. Some owners are complaining that compensation is inadequate. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission is reported to have approved a $5 billion U.S. dollar penalty for Facebook to settle an investigation into data privacy violations. This is its largest ever fine against a tech company, but one that barely dents Facebook's profits. BBC's Dave Lee reports from San Francisco. The Federal Trade Commission believes Facebook broke a consent decree it made with the regulator back in 2011, basically a promise to only use personal data in ways users were fully aware of and for which they had given their consent. Facebook had been expecting this. It told investors back in April that it had put aside most of the money. The settlement, which amounts to around one quarter of the company's yearly profit, will reignite criticism from those who say this is little more than a slap on the wrist. The Democrat Senator Ron Wyden called it a mosquito bite. The people of New Orleans and other cities in the U.S. state of Louisiana are bracing themselves for a tropical storm, which is set to strike in a few hours' time. Residents have stocked up on supplies and sandbagged their homes or evacuated as Tropical Storm Barry approaches. It's expected to strike as a Category 1 hurricane, but heavy rain and storm surges pose the biggest dangers. Rising water levels have stirred fears of a breach of flood defences put in place following Hurricane Katrina 14 years ago. U.S. prosecutors say the disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein, who's facing sex trafficking charges in New York, paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to two people who might testify against him, as the BBC's David Willis reports from Washington. 
At a hearing on Monday, Jeffrey Epstein pleaded not guilty to sex trafficking and conspiracy charges. He's now battling to be released on bail. But prosecutors insist that as well as being a flight risk, there's a chance that if he was released, Mr Epstein might seek to influence witnesses. And in a new filing with the court, they draw on evidence that he previously paid a total of $350,000 to two potential witnesses to bolster their case for refusing him bail. A hearing on the bail request is scheduled to take place on Monday. At least 10 people have been killed in a large car bomb explosion at a hotel in Somalia's southern port of Kismayo. The Islamist group Al-Shabaab said it carried out the attack. A well-known journalist and social media activist, Hoda Nalaya, is reported to be one of the victims. More from the BBC's Bernadette Keogh. Local media outlets said that 43-year-old Hodan Nalea, a mother of two, was killed alongside her husband. Somali-born, she'd emigrated as a child with her family to Canada, but had recently returned to her homeland, pledging to improve its plight. She'd set up a popular online TV channel covering Somalia and life in the Somali diaspora. A BBC journalist who knew Hodan Nalaya tweeted that she was a beautiful soul who represented the best of her people. She had over 85,000 Twitter followers. One of her final tweets talked of the importance of being patient with her brothers and sisters who'd witnessed war and conflict. The Colombian government has asked the UN Security Council to continue supervising the 2016 peace agreement with the former FARC rebels for one more year. The, uh, the deal has come under strain because of the killings of community leaders and former rebel fighters. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The Youth Development Commission urges the government to improve its interaction with young people. HKU students remain unimpressed with the university's head after meeting with him last night. And Executive Councillor Regina Ip says Chief Executive Carrie Lam needs to get out more. The news from RTHK. AM, FM and live online. This is Radio 3. Welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Tremblay, with you till 3 p.m. This week we have our super special show, part two. We hear the remaining interviews I had with artists from Europe and South America at this year's Francophonie de Montréal International Music Festival. As always, Giovanotti says it so well in Italian, we're still the belly button of the world. And we continue with my interviews at this year's Francophonie de Montréal Music Festival with our next interviewee from Europe. I'm now with uh, celebrated singer-songwriter and author Bertrand Belin from, uh, from Bretagne in France. Merci pour votre temps. Merci d'être notre invité. Merci, moi qui vous remercie. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm fascinated with uh, your work. Your latest album, Persona, is an interesting concept. Every song is a different person, personality. Persona. Uh, oui, en effet, en effet. Oui. <laughs> uh, well, I try to explain it in English. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I'm living, you know, I'm living in Paris in a big city, as you know, and there is a lot of different uh, destiny you can discover just walking down the street. You know, people going to work, other others uh, sleeping on the sidewalk. Uh, so it uh, impacts a lot my 
uh, imagination. And, uh, this album is more uh, urban, urban as it as it has been before. Uh, I, I used to sing songs more like uh, involved into uh, rurality.